What's up, RTC? This is the Career Progressions Podcast, brought to you by RevealTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Allred. You know, building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career like climbing a rock wall. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they share will help you find the climbing holds they use to get where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. Well, I have shared on the show before what a huge Stephen Covey fan I am. Early in my career, I was blessed to have an opportunity to teach a Seven Habits course for a company I used to work for. Let me tell you, it had a monumental impact on my life. If you've ever heard someone say that the best way to learn something is to teach it, I can attest that is 100% exactly true. I learned the Seven Habits incredibly well. And it's uh, been an important part of my life, really, now for a little over 30 years. The material was actually so special to me that when my kids each turned 16, I took each one of them on a retreat, just the two of us, to go out for the weekend and just impart the wisdom on it. It was a, uh, it was a special time for both of us. I think it brought us closer together. And I really hope it offered them a compass to navigate some of life's more challenging moments. Well. Today, I am honored to have on the show a son who was privileged to learn these habits from his father as well. In his case, his father was actually Stephen Covey. I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Stephen M. R. Covey to share the wisdom from his new books, Trust and Inspire, that I'm sure in many ways was inspired by his relationship with his dad. Hey, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Mark. So excited to be with you. So grateful. Thank you. And thanks for that great introduction. Love my your dad. dad. I, I appreciate it. I need to tell you someday about the one time I got a chance to meet him, but there's so much to talk about here. We'll come back to that. <laughs> so, Stephen, I, I do want you to know that what I found so cool about reading your book as a seven habits geek is that I love that early on you retold that clean and green story from the perspective of you, the son, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and um, so this is the iconic green and clean story from seven habits. And, um, and, but I, I told it from my perspective as a, as a, as a young seven year old boy, you know, my dad just kind of trusting me, mm. empowering me to take care of our, our yard, our lawn. And this was back, Mark, in the days before automatic sprinklers. So right. it was a bigger deal because <laughs> yeah. you had to manually go out and do it and the like. And, and um, um, But I tell the story from the standpoint of how he set up an agreement with me over a couple-week period. You know, it, that he said, son, I want the yard to be green and I want it to be clean. And those are results-oriented words. And he trained me how to do it. He trained me how to turn on the sprinklers and for how long. And and then he, you know, taught me how to pick up the garbage and everything. And again, as a seven-year-old boy, it's a pretty big task. Sure. And and uh, and then he also, though, in the agreement, he he built in some accountability that would be kind of self-accountability around I judge myself, mm-hmm. but I judge myself against the standard of green and clean, against the results. And and uh and he said, let's walk the yard once a week 
and you can tell me how it's going. And, and so he kind of built this agreement. And after two weeks of training me, he turns it over to me. It's the, it's the middle of the summer. It's scorching hot. <laughs> well, I, he turns it over to me and guess what, Mark? I did nothing. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I yeah, I, it was a, it was a Saturday. I did nothing. Sunday, nothing. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, Wednesday, five days. The the, the lawn is turning yellow by the hour because mm. it's scorching hot and and uh, it's it's not clean because we had a neighborhood barbecue over the weekend. There's garbage strewn <laughs> all throughout the lawn. It was anything but green and clean. And my dad came home from work and he was you know just so close to pulling back. The responsibility thinking now nah, he's just too young, he, you mm -hmm. know, either that or just kind of barking out the orders of telling me what to do. But he held off and and uh, he remembered that his purpose really was to raise kids, not grass is how he said it. Yeah. And and uh, and so he stayed with the agreement that we had set up and he said, well, we agreed that once a week we'd walk around and you can tell me how it's going. And so when we, when we began to do that. I could clearly see that the lawn was not green and clean. And I knew that I hadn't done one thing. And, and I, um, I kind of broke down and began to cry. Mm. And I said, gosh, dad, this is so hard. And he kind of said, thought to himself, well, what's hard? You haven't done one thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but what was hard was me to learn to take responsibility, to take ownership, mm. to take initiative. And, and uh, I said, well, Dad, will you help me? He said, what was our agreement? I said, you told me you'd help me if you have time. He said, that's right. I said, do you have time, Dad? I've got time. So I ran in the house and I, and I got a couple of garbage sacks. I took one, I gave a garbage sack to my dad. And, I, and then I began to instruct him and direct him. I said, Dad, would you go over there to the side and pick up that garbage over there? Because <laughs> it makes me want to vomit. And then he said, hey, I'm your helper. I'll do whatever you want. And it was at that moment when I was kind of instructing my dad, directing him what to do, and he was following my direction, that I realized this is my job. Yeah. It's not my dad's. I own this. I'm responsible. And it, that's when Green and Clean got written into my heart where I own this. And from that day forward, I took care of the lawn. It was green and it was clean, not only that summer, but for many summers thereafter. And, you know, so my dad in Seven Habits would use this to, to teach a a win-win performance agreement and stewardship delegation. And it was those things. But for me, as a seven-year-old, I didn't know what those words meant. But here's what I didn't know as a seven-year-old. It was very simple. I felt trusted. Hmm. I felt my father trusted me and I didn't want to let him down. I felt my father believed in me and he saw something in me that I didn't see at all in myself at the time, but I began to see it. Because he believed in it and he helped communicate it to me to where I came to see it in myself that I could be responsible. I could take initiative. I could be proactive. I could own this. And I rose to the occasion. And I took care of that yard and I gained confidence in myself. And, and uh, so I look back at that and I say, yes, it was stewardship delegation, those things. But for me, I saw a trust and inspire leader, a trust and inspire parent who was helping me see the potential that I had in myself where I came to see it and I rose to the occasion. And, and so it's a very simple example and story, but it's really the framing of, of this book of this is the kind of leadership that we need today, the kind of parenting that we need, the kind of 
uh, mentors that we need is, is, you know, trust and inspire leaders. We need to become these kind of leaders for others because this is a better way to lead, to bring out the best in people. It, just, it did for me as a seven-year-old, but I think it can work with a 27-year-old and a 47-year-old and a 67-year-old. Yeah. These, these principles inspire. To be trusted is inspiring and it brings out the best in us. And, and I think this is the kind of leadership we need today to move ahead in our careers is, you know, the old model doesn't work as well as this, as this trust and inspire model does. So that's, I start off with that story because it really was the imprint of how to think about leadership that I was fortunate, blessed really to, to get as a seven-year-old boy from, from my dad. Yeah. It, was, it was trust and inspire in my mind. Well, and Stephen, I, I started with that story for two reasons. One, selfishly, it was just great to hear it again, right? It's been a, a while since uh, I'd read that in the Seven Habits originally, and it was great to hear you say it. But the other one, yes, I think it tees up our conversation today about trust and inspire leaders. And I hope folks are, are paying attention because I agree with you. I think we're moving very rapidly into a world that really needs that kind of leadership. So I've, I've read the book and I, I truly love what you're, what you're sharing with not only the people who are leading today, but the people who are getting ready to be putting on those leadership pants for tomorrow. So when I read the introduction, I highlighted one line. So I went through, when I read these books, I'll, I'll highlight a lot of things, but in the introduction it was really just one thing. It was when you wrote, when we inspire other people, we rekindle the inner, inner spirit, both theirs and ours. So for me, I mean, that spoke to or spoke about reawakening kind of that purpose inside of ourselves and connecting to that. But I was really thrilled to say, well, hey, I can't wait to get you on the show. Let me ask you. So when you when you reflect on what you wrote there, uh, rekindling the inner spirit, what does that mean to you? Yeah, um, precisely kind of what you're suggesting, that it connects with who we are inside, our, our purpose, our why, what we're all about, that our, our, our fire within, if you will. I love that the word inspire comes from the Latin inspirare, which means to breathe into. Hmm. So when you inspire, you know, you breathe into, you breathe life into. You breathe life into, into a relationship, into a team, into a culture, you know, versus sucking the life out of, which yeah. is kind of the old model of leadership. So you're trying to breathe life into, and it's also another way of thinking about it. If it, it lights the fire within, and when your own fire is lit, it's like a candle that can go then light other candles. But if, if we're, if our candle is not lit, if, if the fire within is not lit within us, it's hard for us to inspire others if we ourselves don't feel inspired. So the idea is to kind of go from within. And, and so when you inspire others, it not only helps them, it helps you as a leader because you feel also inspired. You see that your candle is lighting other candles and that's having an impact and it spreads. And, and that, that, that itself is inspiring and, and um, to have that kind of impact. And so I think you know, Mark, this is really where so much of leadership is shifting towards is towards inspiration. Yeah. And, and as opposed to just motivation, you know, but you know, what's internal intrinsic inside of people to breathe life into people to light that fire within. And I think the best way we inspire is we ourselves first try to become inspired. We identify our purpose, our why. And then when that fire is lit, it's easier to help 
other people discover and find their whys too. It's like lighting the, a candle, lighting other candles. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like that old adage of being on a plane and putting your mask on first, right? You yep. need to get connected Precisely. with Precisely. Yeah. 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 It's well, the same metaphor to, to inspire others. We start by being inspired. Well, so as, as we move into this conversation, I think it's going to be really important to clearly define and illustrate for folks who haven't had a chance to read the book yet, the difference between the traditional leadership model, which you described very rightly as command and control, and the leadership model you define as trust and inspire. You talk a lot about the differences in the book. Can you give us kind of a high view overview of kind of where the lines are drawn between those? Yeah. Yeah. So the traditional model, kind of the old model that we've operated out of over really decades, I call command and control. It's just that we've become better at it. It's a more advanced, a more sophisticated, I call it an enlightened command and control <laughs> that kind of represents all the progress that we've made, mm -hmm. but we still haven't fully shifted the paradigm of how we view people, how we view leadership. We're still operating more out of a thing mentality rather than a people mentality. So in the old model, command and control, even enlightened command and control, you manage people and things. And so, you know, it's a management paradigm. The trust and inspire, you manage things and you lead people. Now, look, we need to be good at management. I, I don't want to in any way bash management. We need good management. Yeah. Good management of things, of systems, of processes, of inventories and financials financials and the business, the numbers, you manage the business, you manage things, but you lead people. People don't want to be managed. They want to be led. They want to be trusted. They want to be inspired. So the old model, you know, you get results through people. Sounds pretty good because we want to get, we got to get results. Right. Doing it through people is a good thing, but people are just a means to an end. Trust and inspire is about getting results in a way that grows people. People mm -hmm. also are an end. Yes, the results are always an end, but so, are the, so is the growth of the people. Like my dad, he wanted, yeah, he wanted a green and clean yard, but more, even more than that, he wanted a responsible kid. Right. <laughs> grew and developed. Um, command and control, you know, it's kind of a more of a, you try to contain people, control them because you're not quite sure of, of what they can do or might do or might not do. Trust and inspire is that you see their potential and their greatness and you try to yeah. release people, unleash people, develop their talent. And, you know, command and control is kind of motivation, external, carrot and stick. Trust and inspires inspiration, internal, intrinsic, it's inside of people. You're trying to light that fire within or help light it, help them discover it so that that can burn on for, for a long time. And so we could go all throughout the book, I do these contrasts. Uh-huh. No, command and control versus trust and inspire and just trying to make it compelling and persuasive why in in our in our world today that you know people don't want to be managed they want to be led especially these younger generations that's right better way to lead and and you know and i'm i just think that this is the kind of leadership that's more relevant for our time than the old model or even in a, in a in, you know an enlightened in, improved version of it, but still within the same limited paradigm. That's that's the idea. Well, and you know, you brought up a word a little bit earlier that I think some of the audience might think is more synonymous than it is with inspire, and that's motivation. So you know, I think about the scenario of your dad and the clean and green scenario that he could have motivated you to work harder, like maybe give you some money, maybe give you some grounding if <laughs> you're grounded if you don't get it done by such and such a time. And that to me is a type of motivation, but. 
the inspiration that he went with otherwise changed it a bit because instead it was about you taking ownership. It sounded like when you were talking about that story to me and when you wrote about it in the book, it became yours. It was your lawn. And that's, is that what you're trying to get to at the heart of inspiration? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the motivation, again, it's not inherently bad. It's just mm -hmm. limited. And, you know, you got to constantly provide more motivation, yeah. more carrots, more sticks, more stimuli, more reasons to try to move people. But if you tap into inspiration where they become, you know, lit up inside themselves, then that can burn on for months, if not years. And, 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 you know, then they own it. And it's just so much better than having to kind of constantly be, you know, more motivated. And like you said, in this case, it could have been more allowance, more consequences, but instead he tapped into what was inside of me, which was a sense of responsibility and, and, and ability, you know, and confidence in myself that I could do this and how I responded to it. So that is the type of thing that we need today is, is we need to really migrate from the carrot and stick motivation into a real inspiration where you're tapping into what's in, inherently inside of people, trying to bring out that best and let that um, move them as opposed to moving them through other means, through external, you know, stimuli, if you will. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the timing of the book a little bit, because you mentioned, I think, very rightly that this whole trust inspire leadership does play very well with younger generations, but honestly, could play with any generation, mine as well. Yep. Who doesn't want to be inspired? Who doesn't want to be trusted? So, you know, but I think there's a really good case to be made that the timing of your book is so right, because if you look at where we are, and, you know, I don't know how many years from now people will be hearing this conversation, but here's Here's where we are today. We're coming through a pandemic. We're not done, but we're in that. And I've always described the pandemic as like the ogre who became the unexpected hero and saves the princess in the tower. Whenever we all got sequestered and sent home, it broke the spell of busyness. And we got out of the busyness of our jobs and we were at home because we had to be. And all of a sudden we're thinking, I don't really like my job. I don't like my manager. And it opened, it just broke that spell. So, you know, in one way, I'm, I'm getting now more and connected with what drives me about my work. And you've got an interesting economy. You've got a very divisive culture that we live in. I think the idea about the ideas that are fundamental in your book are so important right now. But you specifically talk about five emerging forces that are changing the workplace in, in a way that makes trust and inspire leadership even more important. Can you talk about that? Yes. And, and you're right. It's so interesting how. It's, it's turned into great timing with the pandemic in particular, mm. but these forces were happening even before the pandemic. The pandemic just accelerated them. Mm. So the first is that the nature of the world itself is dramatically changing because of technology and through technology. You know, the pace of change, the amount of change, the type of change, the explosion of information where you can't be a know-it-all anymore because there's too much knowledge. You got to become as Carol Dweck says, a learn it all where you can learn better. And so, you know, the world is itself, itself is changing through technology. The second is that, that uh, the nature of work is changing. Work is far more collaborative. Mm. It's far more interdependent. It's far more service oriented. It's far more team based and oriented. Now there's some exceptions to all of this, but increasingly you're seeing this kind of thing. It's not the old, industrial age model. It's a new age of collaboration 
in this new digital age. So that the nature of work itself is changing. The third, the nature of the work place is changing. And this has been accelerated through the pandemic. The idea of working from home or working from anywhere, remote work or hybrid work or intentionally flexible work. And suddenly, you know, people are having the options to, to work for a company and be based somewhere completely different. Just new models of the workplace and where the workplace is taking place. The, the fourth is the nature of the workforce is changing. We have today as many as five generations at work with completely different expectations around how they want to be led and engaged. And finally, the nature of choice has changed. We've gone from what we might call multiple choice to infinite choice. Mm. So many choices and options that people have. And all these, my, the, I think the implications of these five forces of change is what's really important is that, you know, it makes the importance of having a, being part of a high trust culture that inspires so that it attracts and retains and engages the best people and brings out the best in people so we can move ahead in our careers because we feel like we're trusted, we're inspired. And then when you have that, a culture that inspires, you can collaborate and innovate, stay relevant. So, you know, the, these, these, these forces of change are, are just so real, they're right in front of our eyes. And here's the main point. And I think this is important for all of us as leaders today, that maybe I'm going to quote Marshall Goldsmith here. Mm. I just was with him on a, on a show and, and um, he wrote that book, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. And I'm going to say a similar thing with leadership, the kind of leadership that got us here won't get us there in this new world of work with these five emerging forces of change. The old command and control model that might've worked in the past won't work in this new world of work. We need a new model for this new world. And I call it trust and inspire as a better way to lead in this new world of work that will take us to where we need to go in our careers and everything else in our lives, in our businesses, because it's more relevant for this new world to operate with command and control today as a leader is like playing tennis with a golf club. Mm. You know, the, the tool you're using, the style of leadership you're employing, if you were command and control is not relevant to the game being played. You, you need a tennis racket to play tennis, not a golf club. You need trust and inspire in this new world of work, not the, you know, not the old command and control that what got you here won't take you there. Trust and inspire will take you where this world is going. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. In fact, you know, you had me at clean and green. I mean, I, I'm one <laughs> who absolutely gets this, but I love it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's, I suspect there are going to be listeners who are leaders who've been command and control for a long time. And they've had to deal with employees that quite often, uh, quite honestly, they don't trust because they haven't right. earned that trust. And they're going to be skeptical about, right. can I really make that over? And then they're going to be leaders who aren't leaders yet, that they're just growing and developing, and they're not sure how to really genuinely make that come alive. How do I, how do, I do this? It sounds great, but how do I do it in the context of my own employees where I'm being expected to deliver results? What, what's the biggest challenge, do you think, to that? I think you've kind of hinting at them that, that this sounds good, but is this really going to work? Yeah. Are they going to really come through? Are they really going to deliver? What if I don't have confidence in them. What if they haven't done it in the past? You know, because we got to get results as leaders. And and at first glance, it might appear like trust and inspire sounds a little bit idealistic that, you know, I love that, but can this really work? 
or can this work here? Maybe it works somewhere else, but can it work in my company, my situation? And here's the thing. Think about it this way, that the opposite of command and control is not trust and inspire. The opposite of command and control is more like abdicate and abandon. Now, where you're not leading at all. If if command and control is excessively hands-on, abdicate and abandon is kind of excessively hands-off. That's just, you're not leading. There's no expectations. There's no accountability. Trust and inspire is really a third alternative that through agreement, through the agreement that you build, through context, through the relationship, through the culture, you also build in some inherent, quote, control. But it's just not a micromanagement control or a hovering over control. It's control built in through the agreement. Like my father, he didn't just say, hey, take over the yard. See ya. He he trained me. (laughs) He taught me what green and clean looked like. Those were the results. I was accountable to the results. Then he agreed upon a together, a process of accountability. We'd walk the yard Mm. once a week. And I'd measure myself against this standard of green and clean. So there was high expectations to it. It wasn't just, hey, just trust you, whatever. No, high expectations. There's accountability. And and so trust inspires really strong. And the point is this, that you can be authoritative without being authoritarian. Mm. A trust inspired leader is very strong without being forceful. A trust inspired leader can be in charge and have control without being controlling. It's just you do it through agreements and through context and relationships and the culture, as opposed through kind of hierarchical, top-down management type of thing. And, and so I present it as a third alternative that helps us overcome some of those barriers of, hey, you know, what if I lose control? What if I try this? And what if they don't deliver and perform? And, and that's where if you build that agreement up front with expectations, with accountability, and you go back to saying, hey, why don't you assess yourself against how we're doing against this agreement? Yeah. You'll be amazed at how people will be harder on themselves. They know more. And, and they might say, yeah, I know I could do better here. And, and so View, Trust, and Aspire is really a timely, relevant third alternative that's not you know, all excessively hands-on or excessively hands-off. It's hand-in-hand. Hmm. It's a better way to lead in this new world that still helps you get results but you're doing it in a way that also is going to grow the people. And that's what's going to help you keep the people. And that's why also you want to be part of a company is if they give you opportunities for growth and development, then, you know, maybe the number one reason a study from McKinsey just came out. So the number one reason why people leave, because they don't feel like they're growing and developing right. and having opportunities. And so, you know, if you can have, if, if you're trust inspired with your people and if, if your leaders are with you, you want to be part of that, stay part of that. That's a better way to lead. And so, you know, we got to get results, but let's do it in a way that grows the people. This is the kind of leadership that's going to work today. It's not soft. It's actually hard, yeah. hard edged. And, and it's just, you know, it's strong without being forceful. That's the idea. And, and, uh, and this is, it really can work and you can overcome those barriers that kind of get in the way of becoming trust and inspire. And I hope everything you just said right there is inspiring some of the folks who are skeptical skeptical to take another look at it. And I think the real important point was the fact that it's not the opposite of command and control. Like, if, for example, I mean, command and control is hands-on and, and trust and inspire is hands-on. I guess the difference is, yep. in one case, one hand is on the shoulder, the other one, it's around their throat. <laughs> so, 
yeah, it's it's a hand in hand. You're doing. Look at it this way: command and con, you know, command and control is is um that it's what I'm doing either two people if it's excessive authoritarian or four people, and trust inspires what I'm doing with people. Yeah. So it is hand in hand, but it's my father with me saying, "Let's walk the yard together." We built the agreement. I knew I wasn't doing the job. And then, you know, and he was holding me accountable through the agreement. That felt different than had we not had an agreement and then he's hovering over and just judging and evaluating me. It felt so totally different when I was judging and evaluating myself and I realized I'm not doing this. It just looked different. It felt different. And my response was different. And, you know, the other would have been more the traditional model. And he could have just told me, yeah, get out there and turn on those sprinklers right now. And I would have done it, but what would have happened the next day when he's not there? Would I have done it? I don't know. (laughs) So this is a better way to lead where you both can get the result, but you also do it in a way that grows the person, builds the relationship, builds the culture of trust. And then your ability to get results in the future has just gone up. So that's, you know, the other thing I would say to the cynics and to the skeptics is that trust and inspire is a better way to lead because Mm -hmm. people respond to being trusted. It brings out the best in them. They rise to the occasion. They perform better and they give the trust back to you. There's overwhelming data that high trust teams and companies outperform low trust ones by about three times. Yeah. You get better performance. And when people feel inspired, they also, they give, they're more productive. They produce more and they're happier. There's more energy, more joy, better well-being. We all want that. You know, so I just kind of come back to, isn't this what we want, all of us? You know, when someone inspires us and trusts us, it brings out our best. And 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 just like my dad did with me, I'll bet, I'll bet uh, Mark, that you've had people in your life at different points in your career, someone who believed in you, who had confidence in you, who trusted you, took a chance on you. Maybe they believed in you more than you believed in yourself. Is that true? Have you had yeah, such a leader in yeah, your life? Uh, more than one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and she's even with like my, my mother was, is that, Beautiful. that leader for me. And I would ask our listeners, have you had such a person in your life, a person who had confidence in you, maybe had more confidence in you than you had in yourself, who believed in you, saw the best, saw your potential, and then they gave you an opportunity. They trusted you. What did that do to you? Did you need to be managed in such a case or were you on fire? Did you want to prove that justified and rise to the occasion and perform better? My guess is the latter and that for all of us. And so we probably have had someone like that. I would invite if you had such a person to, to thank them, yeah. even years later, perhaps. You'd be amazed at what it does to them and to you. But then to even pay it forward and ask, what if you could become this kind of person, this kind of leader for someone else? Wow, that would be pretty inspiring. So this is trying to say, look, this is a better way to lead. And we all kind of know it from our own experience. And, and it's not kind of this soft, warm and cuddly, you know, without expectations or accountability that doesn't inspire anyone. Right. No, it's just, it's a way of bringing out the best in all of us. So, and, and you're right. And I think it's such a wonderful model as you begin to build and grow and develop it. One of the big challenges is of course, that, you know, habits are tough to break and it takes time and it takes commitment. And it takes working through it. So let me kind of weave that thought into a segment of the show I normally always do about this time. And this is when I ask my guests to get a little vulnerable and maybe share a little bit about their career. Because I know there's so many people out there that are in tough spots right now. 
So let's go back to the clean and green store. You mentioned that your dad was tempted to go back to the old command and control leadership when you didn't produce like he'd hoped. Mm-hmm. But instead, he reminded himself, and I've got my notes here, yeah, raise kids, not grass. Good for him that he was able to do that. Can you tell me about a time where maybe you were tempted to revert to a command and control in your career? And how did you deal with that? Sure. Um, I, when, when, when we, I, I'd been the CEO of Covey Leadership Center, uh-huh. and we merged our company with Franklin Quest to form Franklin Covey. And we came together, and, and these were two good companies with good people, good values, but completely different approaches to everything. And, and now we're combined, and, and there kind of was a distrust, not because we had done things to earn it per se, but because we'd been compet- arts competitors for years, and now we're thrown together, and we'd really not done anything new to create it. And it was really kind of frustrating. I felt like, gosh, we've got to move fast and this merger and everything's getting slowed down, bogged down by politics and by, you know, the the merger wars going on of, of the two companies trying to jockey and this and that. And it was really tempting after kind of being bogged down in this for a while to just go into command and control yeah. and just kind of bark out the order saying, no, this is what we're going to do. Why? Because I'm in charge mm. and, and, um, and we're going to do this. But the reality is that people had to, these were good people that saw the world differently that, that, you know, I started moving down the path of command and control and it wasn't working. It wasn't bringing the people with me. And, and it kind of divided into a, we, they, you know, the Covey side and the Franklin side. Mm. And rather than uniting, it was dividing. And, and, um, and, you know, here I, you know, half the people didn't trust me in effect Mm. as being vulnerable. And I had had to kind of earn that and go back and demonstrate it through a behavior. I had to listen, I had to understand, I had to show respect, I had to recognize I had my own um, biases and, and that trying to be in charge wasn't going to work that instead I needed to really show empathy and understanding and listen, have people feel heard. Go slower up front, build the relationship in order to go faster in the end. And, and it took me a while to figure that out and to realize that. And then I did. And I slowed down. And I really tried to listen. Empathy, this is one of the things we need to model as trust-inspired leaders. And I tried to model. I tried to extend more trust. And I tried to inspire by, you know, not only being a model myself of inspiration, but of showing that I cared for people and about people and they sent and, and to sh- demonstrate a sense of caring, but also a sense of belonging that we are part of something new we were creating together, not an either, or the Covey side, the Franklin side, but the Franklin Covey identity, a new identity that we would belong to and really to tap into that purpose and mission and contribution. And, and I had to kind of slow down to do this, but then once we did that, we actually changed the whole game and, we got the commitment, we got the buy-in, we got the excitement, the inspiration, and then we moved fast. Mm. So we had to go slow to go fast. And, and I, I was really tempted to just try to be efficient. You know, command and control is very efficient, but it's not very effective. Yeah. It's, instead, I tried to I kind of earn that right to become, you know, to, to build that relationship, to go slow. Once we did, then we went fast because we built trust and changed everything. And so that's my own learning. It's very tempting 
to go command and control. We're good at it. We've been scripted in it. Yeah. It may have brought us to where we're at today, but it's just not as relevant in in a new world with those five forces, you know, diverse workforce, so many different expectations. People have choices and options. If they don't feel trusted, they'll go someplace where they are. It's not going to work today. And so that's uh, my own personal journey. And I'm we're all on this journey. I'm on yeah. this journey too of moving from command and control to trust and inspire. My kids say when I go to the airport, sometimes I get, they call it airport face. <laughs> I, I have that face. I, yeah. You know, I'm nervous and everything. And, and, you know, and look, you gotta, you gotta be on time or the plane, you'll miss the plane. Right. Right. But you can still, you can still do it by modeling care and concern for people, not just barking and hmm. shouting and yelling and this and that. So there's a, there's a, you know, a better way to do it. And those are the three stewardships I talk about in the book. Yeah. The, the core model is that as a trust-inspired leader, we model, we trust, and we inspire. Modeling is who we are as people, as human beings, as leaders, our character, our competence. Trusting is how we lead. We like to extend trust to people. A smart trust, not a blind trust. A smart trust has expectations and accountability, brings out the best in them. And inspiring is about connecting to why it matters. You do that by connecting with people through caring and belonging, and then connecting people to purpose and to meaning and to contribution. And the point is everyone can inspire. It's a learnable skill. It's not just for the charismatic. So we can all inspire. It's a stewardship we have as a leader. That's a big idea. Mm. So we model, we trust, we inspire. That's the kind of leadership that's needed today that will help us advance in our careers because we'll be more relevant for this new world of work and this new workforce and all the opportunities and the, and the need to build a high trust culture that inspires the need to collaborate and innovate. You can't, you can't command and control your way to collaboration and innovation, and you can't command and control your way to a high trust culture that inspires. No, you got to trust and inspire your way to both those things. And that will make us more relevant as leaders today and in our careers or as we start our careers or, or shift careers. This is, you know, it's about being relevant for the time, about having a tennis racket in mm. in the game of tennis. Right. Not still trying to operate with a golf club when the game has changed. So that's the idea. And and the, the you know the model is you model, you trust, you inspire. Three stewardships to becoming a trust and inspire leader. And try to give examples throughout of Sacha Nadella, Cheryl Batchelder, other leaders that have done this and and then really how each of us can do this. And we can do it starting in our own homes, in our own communities, in our neighborhoods, even before at work. I tell you what, Stephen, and thank you for the personal story, because it really illustrates everything we've talked about from the beginning of the show. And, and literally, I could spend the next half hour, hour continuing down that road. There's so many great stories, too, in the book. Like I'm thinking about the story with the CEO who uh, told all of his employees Hey, in a year, I'm going to give you guys all the ability to to rank whether I should stay or go based on the work that I do. And he had the courage to do that. And and as I recall it, it was like 98% approval. But it's because yeah. he just led. It's those stories that give life to what you're talking about with Trust and Inspire. And there's several of them in the book. And I hope folks will be inspired by it. The whole reason, you know, we started this podcast is to bring folks in with the kind of passion that you have for the topics that you have. And you just hope there's that one thing that resonates with somebody. And I hope maybe there was a, a leader who at one point was kind of saying, yeah, right. And then as they continue to listen 
and continue to hear the heart and the, the action and all the other pieces around this, they're thinking, you know what, maybe I need to adjust my habit a little bit and give that a shot. So I'm hoping that happens in a lot of ways today. Well, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. And um, I, what I would say is this, is test this, try this, try it, mm. try it with even one relationship. I kind of said, just like you thought of someone who maybe was a trust inspired leader to you and what that did to you in your life, become that for another person. And, and maybe you could try it with one and see how it goes and see if they get results. See if you really, have you lost control or do you actually maybe have more control mm. because of what, how you built this relationship and how you built an agreement and how that inspires them and how they perform better and, and, and feel, you know, uplifted by this and, and give it back to you. So, you know, if you can do it with one, you could do it with another. We're all on this journey. And, and so maybe, maybe that's a thing to think about is <clears throat> maybe you want to test it. Right. In, yeah. in a given relationship. And it could be in your personal life. Yeah. <clears throat> at home with a child, with an, with a niece and nephew or grandchild where you become a trust inspired person. Yeah. That individual and, and see what, see what that does. And we'll give you a taste of this kind of leadership. You probably have had some experience yourself, but I think that that can inspire us to say, you know, maybe there's something here. Maybe this is a better way to lead in our new world. Completely agree. And I love the idea of, you know, a trust and inspire parent. So those parents who are having trouble with those young kids, maybe an interesting strategy to try there. Well, Stephen, as we kind of wrap up, hey, I know one of your father's mantras was to seek, to bless, not to impress. And I tell you, I, I, I've been very impressed with your book, but I feel extremely blessed that you made time to come and talk about it here with us today. And I can't thank you enough for that. But uh, as we kind of wrap up, do you have other things going on that you'd love folks to know about, to hear about? Uh, any other thoughts of wisdom you want to share here at the end? I would just share, um, you can go deeper into this. If you're interested, you can go to trustandinspire.com and learn more. And you, you, I hope you get the book and that you like the book and find it helpful. And what I would just say is that the key to becoming a Trust Inspire leader is to first become a trust inspired person. Mm. It truly is inside out. It's a way of seeing the world. And again, this doesn't mean soft or weak. It means strong and, and authoritative without being authoritarian. And, and um, it's compelling. People are drawn to it. And uh, the, they'll perform better. You'll perform better. Others will perform better. And they'll be more excited yeah. and, and energized. It'll, it'll increase the well-being and your own well-being will go up. That's the idea of rekindling the inner spirit. It inspires both them and us. And, and this is what's needed in our world today. Yeah. Now, we're living in a world devoid of trust and inspiration. And what if we could become that kind of leader that brings out, this, <clears throat> that sees the potential, that communicates the potential in others, that develops it, that unleashes it. And if we could do it for another, for one, we could do it for another. And just like others have done it for us. And I think that, that this will help us in our careers. We'll be more relevant and people will want to be part of our teams and we'll advance because we'll be getting results, but we'll be doing it in a way that grows the people. And, and so our the engagement scores on our teams will be higher and, and the other leaders will look at us and say, wow, look at what Mark is doing. Look at what Susan is doing They're They're getting the results in a way that grows the people. And that's the kind of leadership we need. And I think we'll advance in our careers. I think those, those that we work with will advance in their careers 
it's just a better way to lead. It's a rising tide that lifts every boat. And so I just hope that you find the book helpful and valuable. It's, it's really practical and it gives you kind of uh, tools and approaches to but first shift your paradigm and then move into the actions, the, those three stewardships of modeling, trusting, and inspiring to overcome the barriers and become the trust and inspire leader that we each can become, that our world needs, and that will make a difference in all society. So thanks so much, Mark, for this wonderful opportunity to be with you and and um, and and on, on on your show and and uh, you know career progressions. This is exciting, and I think trust and inspire is something that will progress our careers. Well, thank you for bringing such inspiration to the show. Absolutely. Thank you. So what kind of leader are you or what kind of leader do you want to be? I hope our conversation today has inspired you to learn more about being a trust and inspire leader. Can you imagine all the great work that'll get done? 